0: In this episode of Sushasan, we have with us a career civil servant. Somebody who spent long 38 years as an IAS officer in Uttar Pradesh and then with the Government of India. While in civil services, he was known for three things. Being an upright officer with the highest levels of integrity. Somebody who could actually get things done inside the government. uh, And somebody who would speak his mind and not hold back a punch. Even after his retirement, he continues to do so uh, through his books, through his columns and through his public speaking uh, at conferences and forums. I am talking about Mr. Anil Saroop. In this episode of Sushasan, we unpack his journey of 38 years as a civil servant uh, and tap into his vast and varied experiences in the civil services. Do watch out this episode of Sushasan. Welcome to you, uh, Mr. Saru. Really a pleasure to have you.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me here.
0: So 38 long years, uh, right? If you were to just reflect on this long journey of almost four decades, what's the macro thought that you have uh, in your mind? The
1: first thought that comes to my mind is I enjoyed every moment of it, every moment of it. Hmm. And that is why I say that if I were to be born again, I'd like to be an IS officer all over because there's no other service that I can think of that can give as many opportunities to do good, to do bad, as would be the IS.
0: That's a strong endorsement of, a, of the civil services, right? Also, it comes with, a, I can hear a lot of satisfaction in your voice. There is Santosh uh, uh mein. So baat karte I'll start off with the, your stint in the Government of India first. Uh, one thing that you are known for is your stint as Cold Secretary. Uh, that's the first thing that comes to mind. I remember this is 2014 when the current Modi government came into power. The coal sector was in a mess, uh, to put it mildly, Uh, the CAG had intervened, uh, the uh, Supreme Court had intervened, all the coal block allocations have been kind of cancelled. No bureaucrat wanted to get in the coal ministry to put pen on paper because everyone kind of feared the CBI, the ED and all of that. And you were almost handpicked by the government at the time, by the prime minister's office at the time to clean up this mess. So firstly, what was your first reaction when you got this uh, assignment? What was the mess? What was the real mess? How did you go about kind of cleaning that up?
1: You know, when I was posted as Coal Secretary Government of India, at that point in time, I didn't know much about the coal sector. So I rang up a friend of mine I and mean, I said, yeah, this sector? He me me Gangs said, I don't have a I said <laughs> you know, that said everything because I had seen that movie and I knew uh-huh. what mafias can do, could do and that's precisely what they were doing in coal. But, you know, as I walked into the office of coal secretary for the first time, I felt I was walking into a graveyard. Because CBI was after files, after officers. More than anything else, there was total lack of trust. There was total lack of confidence. But having evolved as an officer who had faced not exactly this situation, this was probably the worst of the lot. I thought, yaar, Siti ab itni kharaab hai, baur toh kharaab nahi. Ab jo hoga, hoga. So I can walk away with that credit. So with that frame of mind, I got into the uh, Department, and by God's grace, I had an absolutely amazing team. I mean, uh, we used to jokingly say, after having sorted out the coal mess, which I'll tell you how we did it, uh, we used to jokingly say, Give us the Kashmir problem, we just might be able to solve it. That's the confidence that we had developed. And as luck would have it, one of my joint secretaries who played a very important role in sorting the coal mess, he's presently Home Secretary, Government of India, handling the Kashmir problem. And other joint secretary was very, till very recently additional chief secretary, and Kashmir. So <laughs> I used to joke and they actually were there to sort the Kashmir problem out. But jokes apart, I think when, when I came over here, as was my habit, I wanted to analyze the cause of the problem. Uh, everyone thought it was the coal block location that was the problem. So when I tried to understand the issues here, mujhe yes the सबसे गंभीर समस्या थी कि ये जो कोल ब्लॉक एक्शन में गड़बड़ी हुई वो क्यों हुई वो इसलिए हुई कि कोल की कमी थी. had there been no shortage there would be no mafias there would be no coal block allocation so the cause of the problem was shortage of coal then i went to the next layer why is there shortage of coal i discovered that india sits on 300 billion tons of coal and we required only about 80 800 million tons per annum So there was sufficient coal available. So why then is there a shortage of coal? We went to the next layer. And the next layer was that though coal was available, land acquisition was a major issue. So there were three primary problems. There were other problems also. Pramukh Samasyaanthi, there were three. That is land availability because land acquisition was a serious, serious issue. Then most of this coal existed in forested areas so getting forest and environment clearance and third because of the location of the coal evacuation of coal was very very difficult so we try then went to the next layer how do i solve the problem of land acquisition how do you fast track uh, forest and environment clearance how do you evacuate coal and for that probably i did things which i would not have imagined earlier as coal secretary i did not convene a single meeting in delhi all these meetings were held at the state level because I came to the conclusion very soon that most of the problems are there in the field hmm. so i have to go there and talk to them and that really helped people ask me if you were to point out one uh, action that you took was critical in solving the whole mess it was this one not to call secretaries of the yeah. state government to yeah. the to to yeah. delhi but going down to the states meeting with the meeting with the chief ministers, chief secretaries and I could convey a value proposition to them. What was in it? I mean, this is very fundamental. For finding solution to any problem, first one has to look at the why of the problem. And then when you identify the stakeholders, you have to convey a value proposition to those stakeholders for them to do what you want them to do. Yeah, so I will give you an example cool. here. I mean, there are many, many problems in the state. But I think One of the biggest problems was with West Bengal government, because the West Bengal government was up against the central government for whatever reasons, good, bad or ugly. How do you get land for coal block uh, mining, for coal mining from a state like West Bengal? Totally, they were going hammer and tongs at each other. So what I did was I spoke to the chief secretary, then went over to Calcutta, had a chat with him and I had a piece of paper with me in which I had written. How much the state government is losing per day, by way of revenue, by way of direct and indirect employment, by not giving me the land which is not being put to use otherwise. So somehow I managed to convince the chief secretary, I don't know what he did to the chief minister, we got the land. So I am giving you just one illustration to convey to you how a difficult problem like coal, because I remember in the beginning, there was total maramari. The chaos was to an extent that I used to call get calls from chief ministers. So Bombay chief minister who just Mr. Fadnaviz had just taken over as chief minister of Maharashtra. And he rang me up at 12 o'clock during the day and said, Anil Ji, you can Bombay? We said, what happened? We said, there was a lot of crisis. We a lot of crisis. We had a lot of two days, three days. We had a lot of oil. We said, when will it come? We said, come here. And the day of 12 is coming. And the day of the day, we So I took the 4 o'clock flight, landed in Mumbai around 6:15, went straight to the hotel. The meeting started at 8 o'clock, carried on till late in the night, 12 o'clock. We we found some solutions. Next morning I had to take a 6 o'clock flight back to Delhi because there was a meeting at the PMO for discussing the coal crisis so this was the nature of the crisis yeah. i have given you this, yeah, some yeah. isolated example to illustrate how
0: so this is very powerful because a lot of times government of india can come up with grand schemes and solutions and so on till the time we're able to take the states along most of the things will not kind of get to fruition and especially i would imagine something like coal block i coal uh, a lot of the coal is in the eastern part of the country you're talking about urisa chattisgarh west bengal Jharkhand. These are also States, which didn't have the government of the ruling party at the time that also just increases the problem that much more. So this whole thing around going to the States versus kind of getting them. I think that's very powerful and that's that's applicable in a lot of different scenarios. You got support in this from the political leadership in the government of India.
1: Total. Huh?
0: Can you any, any, anecdote, any you know, I, I,
1: I distinctly remember whether it was the prime minister or my minister. <clears throat> I mean, I could get away with anything. It was incredible the support that I got because there was a very serious crisis, but there could have been issues where they, you know, they could have said do this, do that. No, I was given a total carte blanche. I could mark my own journey, my own processes, do what I wanted to do. I was given total freedom and total support. And, you know, there were issues where when the when the, the bill was introduced in the parliament, uh, the ruling party did not have majority in the Rajya Sabha and many bills yes, were falling apart. Yes. So we had to get it clear. So I suggested to my minister that I'd like to call on the leader of opposition. Now, this was a political move, so to say. Mm-hmm. Why? Because Mr. Malikarjan Kharge was the leader of the opposition. I had worked with him earlier. I had a good personal rapport with him. So I utilized that relationship. And Mr. pujgol immediately agreed, yes, please go and meet him. I mean, there could have been an issue here, there. But I'm, I'm glad to say that i got total support from the government to do what i wanted to do you know without political support uh taking huge decisions big decisions chart- charting out a course for yourself is not possible in a democracy yeah. and rightly so yeah.
0: i've also heard in the past i don't know where uh, you narrating this incident where uh, mr arun jaitley got involved at the time for U- Udisa. oh
1: yes oh yes can, can you can you share you know, that what we were trying to do was to get support of so-called opposition parties in the parliament And this was the strategy by the master strategist, I called Mr. Arun Jetli. He himself was talking to the chief ministers. And because the idea was to at least get into a conversation with those that were opposed to what we were Hmm. doing. Hmm. And that was a great thing. I learned Hmm. that instead of unnecessarily fighting with people around, we can find some common ground. Even with people, we have strong differences of opinion. And he was a master strategist. So I remember that in one of those Sundays when I felt a bit free <laughs> and I was driving down to Gulagama with my family on some personal visit, I got a message that Mr. Jaitley wanted me to come over to his residence. So I came back, left the family at home and then drove down to his residence. And there uh, Mr. Naveen Patnayak, Chief Minister of Odisha, he was sitting. Mr. Jaitley was sitting, Mr. Piyush Goyal was there. And I was asked to explain to Mr. Naveen Patnayak value proposition regarding cold block auction and sup- his support for the bill so i started by uh, telling him that this will be beneficial to udisa so the chief Minister udisa said how so i explained to him how it would be beneficial so when i gave him a few numbers he said is that so mr suru how is that possible so suddenly i remembered that at that point in time there was an auction going on Hmm. And since it was all digital and available hmm. on the web, I took out my phone and showed him actually how the auction was happening and a URISA mine was being auctioned. And as he was watching that, it went up by a ticker by 2 rupees. So he said, it's gone up by 2 rupees. I said, this translates into 50 lakhs of rupees for Ulisa. And then he asked me, how much are we likely to get as a consequence of this entire auction? I said, sir, it's very difficult for me to conjecture because the auction is still on. He said, give me some ballpark figure. So I explained to him, I gave him this number. He said, is that so, Mr. Sarup? And then I made this statement. I told him, sir, all the auctions that are happening, not a single penny will come to the government of India. Entire money is going to the state government. Is that so, Mr. Sarup? And that was the last, is that so, Mr. Saroop? And next day, he supported the bill. So all credit to Mr. Arunjaiti. You know, I he had the sagacity, he had the vision. It was a pleasure. He was not my minister directly, he was finance minister. But what guidance one got from him, I mean, I can't forget that.
0: This is fascinating. Fascinating. Uh, the power of communication, taking stakeholders along when you do something that complex and that that big. Great. Let me let me move on to another uh, piece of work that you are kind of closely associated with, which is the Rashtriya Swast Bhima Yojana. Right. Uh, that was the first successful large-scale implementation of health insurance in the country. Uh, it subsequently informed some sense, the design of Aishman Bharat also, which is the one of the flagship programs of the current Prime Minister. Uh, firstly, I was looking at your postings and you were never in the Health Ministry, right? From what I uh, know, you were never really, really in the Health Ministry, but still you were anchoring the Rashtriya Swasta Bhima Yojana. So I'm a little intrigued. How did that happen? And what was the design of it? Uh, I know that it was a massive scale, but what was the scale? What was the design of RSBY? It,
1: it, it has a very interesting background actually. Mm. Uh, I was uh, in labor, as it were, uh, in the Ministry of Labor <laughs> and going through painful existence without delivering anything. And suddenly the Prime Minister announced uh, uh, a health insurance scheme for the poorest of the poor. And as was the wont at that point in time, after every such announcement, there was a group of ministers set up. And this group of ministers was chaired by Mr. Chidamram. And uh, in the first meeting, my minister was supposed to go there. He couldn't go. The secretary couldn't go. So I was deputizing for them. Uh, I had no clue as to what's going to happen in the meeting. But he, since my minister was a part of group of ministers, so I was there, sitting there. Uh, In one corner. In in government, you know, you sit by hierarchy. (laughs) So I was probably the junior most officer sitting there in one corner. And the meeting started. So Mr. Chindamnan turned towards the health secretary and asked him that the prime minister has announced this health insurance program. Why don't you come up with a paper in the next meeting with the details and we'll discuss that. So the health secretary tried to wriggle out. He said, sir, we are already busy with National Rural Health Mission and so health insurance is not doing anywhere well in the world. Sir, so if you could spare us. So for some, which I later on conjecture that it would have been political, a health ministry was spared of that scheme. He turned towards his right, towards uh, the head of the organization of banking and insurance. And asked him that it's an insurance scheme, so you do it. He said, Sir, uh, well, we are already saddled with uh, a universal health insurance scheme and it's going nowhere, we're finding it very difficult. Now, the meeting came to a standstill because both the primary ministries we were not willing to wash their hands off mm-hmm. because they knew yeah. how complex it was. Suddenly, you know, somebody whispered something in the ears of Mr. Chittambram, who was sitting next to him. And I heard my name announced. Who is Anil Saroos? So I stood up my folded hands, <laughs> sir. I am Anil sir. You will do this scheme. I said, sir, but I am already in labor. I am already in pain. <laughs> what do you mean already in pain? Uh, uh, this is a scheme. Uh, I said, sir, but this is a health insurance scheme. No, no, this scheme is for workers. And you are director general labor welfare. So it's welfare of workers. Interesting. So I told him, sir, by that logic, all schemes of the government should come to me because every scheme is for some worker. Yeah. This is what you are joking. No, you will have to do it. So I came out of the room like a zombie. Mm. What had hit me, so I went and asked my wife, do you know anything about health insurance? I said, what do I Don't Kuch anything, kuch ho jayega." That was the beginning of health insurance. Again, God has been very kind to me during my career. I found people in the World Bank, in ILO, who helped me get expertise. And then the scheme evolved. Now, we had three fundamental aspects to look into it. Uh, I was convinced that if you are going to make a scheme for anybody, I have to look at the consumer, the ultimate beneficiary and then design the scheme, Not the other way around, you know, sitting in Delhi, have that wisdom and work out as you know. So we looked at the target group and the target group was that this person who was poor, since he was poor, he could not make payments upfront Hmm. to the hospital and claim it from the insurance company. So the insurance scheme had to be cashless. This was not difficult because they were cashless health insurance scheme. The second one was that he was illiterate. Most of the, uh, you know, below poverty line are illiterate. Now, insurance documents are long, tiny. I mean, none of us reads those documents. So the insurance scheme had to be paperless. Now, this was very difficult because nowhere in the world was there a paperless health insurance scheme. Nowhere. So we had to go a the paperless. And even more difficult was the third part. Most of these workers migrated from one place to the other, temporarily or permanently to seek benefit. Now, there was no scheme in the country where the benefits were portable, meaning thereby, whether it is PDS or MNREGA, you could get benefit in the district you are, but once you travelled outside, at that point in time, you could not get the benefit. So, how to make them portable? So, there we use technology to bring in a paperless scheme, cashless, cashless portable. and portable scheme. I think that was the hallmark of this scheme. And as he rightly said, though this scheme was in a limbo for a few years when the new government came, uh, after three years or so, and I distinctly remember that time when I got a call from Prime Minister's office asking me to come over and explain health insurance to the Prime Minister. So I told the PMO that current I was… Prime Minister. Yeah, yeah. I told the PM that I am an education secretary. What is my (laughs) lowest and I? He said, no, 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 you come over and try and explain if he asks you. So I said, how how can I come? Then I was told that there is a review of health ministry and they will also have a review of education ministry. So you'll be present in case the prime minister asks you, we explain. So I went there in the meeting in the evening. The health secretary made a presentation. Prime didn't leave convinced. The idea was exactly the same, which I had, which is insurance model. And somehow the Prime Minister was not very convinced about the insurance part of it. So then he turned towards me, Anil ji, what's going on with this? You insurance. Mein. So I started, and this is three months before my retirement. Hmm. So I, I explained to him, in 15 minutes I spoke, saying, At the end of it, he says, Anil ji, you That day Ashman Bharat was born. And the interesting feature was, I, went, I was coming out, Joint Secretary to PMO, he said, sir, you ki. PM are insurance module mein phir bhi aapne wo baat retirement to but i gave him the advice that i thought was the best yeah, yeah, yeah. what was the scale of rsby just to put we that in covered at that point
0: in time 350
1: million people almost a third of India's population at that point.
0: That's massive. So would you say this has been one of the most satisfying uh, impact that you've had in your entire career?
1: Undoubtedly, undoubtedly. It an amazing sense of satisfaction. I, and that is the time when I thought there can't be a better service than the IS. Because, you know, people do very good things. It's not that others are not doing, but the impact that you can create is absolutely amazing.
0: And impact at scale.
1: Impact at scale and, you know, some of the personal experiences that i had were absolutely phenomenal you know i still get she, 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 she you know i this scheme came to be recognized world over as one of the finest schemes i remember i get a call from one of the advisors of obama who had just taken over as president
2: and
0: healthcare was a, a there was care. trouble there hmm.
1: so he said mr saru can you come over to washington and make a presentation on your health insurance scheme i said i have nothing to offer there's a different context i wanted to wiggle out No, 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 but if you come to Washington, it would be great if you can make a presentation. So it's one of my visits to Washington. I used to interact with World Bank. I went over to Brookings Institute where I made a presentation on this health insurance scheme where, you know, representatives of the federal government, the state government, our own mission people, as well as representatives of Gates Foundation, Rockefeller Foundation, they were sitting there. So I made a presentation. So I came out of the room after the presentation. We are having a cup of coffee. This gentleman from Gates Foundation walks up to me and asks me, Mr. Suru, you seem to be very passionate about the scheme. What does the government give you beyond your signing? A very interesting <laughs> question. <laughs> so I paused for a while and then I asked him, I asked him a counter question. I asked him, Gates Foundation gives millions of dollars to poor countries. What do you get out of it? He said, well, that's a job. But more than that, we derive a lot of satisfaction out of helping the poor. I said, you answered your own question. This RSPY, the Rashtriya Swast Mayudana is meant for the poorest of the poor, many of whom would have been dead, but for this scheme. So the good wishes of those that survived and their families come back to me somehow, anyhow, that's good enough for a kick for me to do what I am doing. I use the word kick here and then I too illustrate the point I narrated an incident to him. I told him I used to visit, uh, you know, these smaller hospitals, small hospitals that are impaneled in RSBY and in one of the visits to these hospitals, I was talking to a beneficiary patient when I heard a very feeble voice from behind beta so i was narrating to him in english but i'll narrate here in hindi because that's how the conversation happened so i turned around and saw a very old lady very old lady she couldn't sit she was just flashing the smart card and calling me beta so i went to her i bent down and i asked her mata ठीक aap theek to she told me beta main bahut takleef mein in hospital so i told her phir to mata ji aap theek I said, Nini no, mother, you are bilkul home. No, 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 to I I said, mother, no This carried on for 15 seconds. Then she made a remarkable statement. She said, upar jaale, upar wale hai. You know, I, when I narrate such incidents, even now I get goosebumps. So I call them my Bharat Ratna Jamai. Yeah, hey, nothing can be more satisfying
0: than, be than, than really hearing from the people who are benefiting from it. And you know that there's so, so many of them. Uh, fascinating. One more, one more thing I thought I'll talk about. Uh, and this is from your, this is the time from the UPA2 government. When I know there was something that was set up called the Project Monitoring Group, PMG with the idea of fast tracking or clearing some of the large projects that were stuck. And all of us know the environment that was there at the time. And it was not a, the the government was on the back foot. There were all the scams going around in the air. So much of negativity. I know now the current prime minister does something called Pragati, where a lot of the large infrastructure projects are cleared by or having all the stakeholders in the room. But it was actually something that started at the time as PMG by Dr. Manmohan Singh. And you were heading the project monitoring group. Can you just share that how did in that environment, and from I know it was successful, so how in that environment you could kind of actually get clearances to happen when nobody wanted to again put pen to paper?
1: You you know, when I I got to know of this, um, it was by way of message uh, sent to me when I was in Cambodia. I had gone there to make a presentation on RSBY. And I got a message that the cabinet secretary wanted to talk to me. So I tried to reach him from Cambodia, I couldn't. So when I landed in India, I rang him up. This was evening, and I knew the cabinet secretary otherwise, but professionally I had never interacted. with him. <coughs> I mean, I was a joint secretary then, maybe just uh, no, I had become a national secretary. secretary, and so I rang up his office. So they put me across immediately to the cabinet secretary, which I was very surprised and said, "Anil, kaltum zara ek cup chai was So you know, this was the first ever offer made by cabinet secretary for a cup of tea to me. So I was a bit, <laughs> I didn't know how to react. I said, hmm. Haan, sir, but there is issue, I am nah, I see I mean, He didn't tell me anything. So, I spent a sleepless night wondering as to what day. why does he want me. So, next morning, I went to cabinet secretary. And when I went to his room, he said, Anil, you have been drafted for a new assignment. So, my heart sank actually. Because two years before that, I had been drafted to head the anti naxal wing of the country. Okay. So, I thought, every time <laughs> Then he said, there is a lot of problem in clearance of projects and uh, a few days ago, Prime Minister, Finance Minister and I met and we were looking for somebody who could fast-track projects. And we thought of your name, so we picked up your name. Then I told him, sir, I have already completed seven years, about to complete. I have to go back to the state. No, 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 we have thought over it. We decided to give you another extension. This was very unusual because seven years is the maximum that you can have here, but Then I was gradually discovering that the the government wants you, they will relax. This is is 2013. So then I took over and there was nothing. I mean, it was from scratch that I set up the unit. What made it happen was the technology part. Because it was first probably the first ever fileless paperless office where if an industry had a problem, it would go to the portal and mention that problem indicating the ministry where they they had the problem. That problem would automatically go to a designated joint secretary in a ministry who was mandated to put his comment on the portal itself. You know, he's absolutely absolute transparent. And then I used to have tripartite discussion. And only thing that I told the joint secretaries who came to my meeting was take a decision either way. Reject it, reject it. Don't sit on it. Don't sit on it. And you know what happened? In 15 months, we cleared projects worth 5 lakh crores. It was incredible. I couldn't believe it. And people asked me how did it happen? I said simple. No matter how inefficient I am to the public, I'd like to appear to be efficient. No one wants to appear inefficient. And here since was the transparent process where you could make out who's sitting on what, for how much time, that did the trick. And I have always believed, I use this in coal also, (coughs) fast-track projects there as well, that the moment you bring transparency and technology can be very helpful, there is speed in clearance of work. That's why in coal, we didn't have file of paper. It was all digitized. Yeah. In education, yeah. it was all digitized. That helped. Technology
0: helped. So sunlight is the best disinfectant basically. you get transparency, Absolute. things Arana, were already… Earlier,
1: sunlight was there, but we didn't have instrument to hmm. you know, expose it to light. Yeah. Not yeah. you have technology. Yeah. So 20 years ago, we didn't have technology. We may want it to be exposed, but today you can put everything in public domain. You know, yeah. much of my backside was saved as coal secretary was. Because every decision was placed on the portal and it's not that we didn't commit mistakes, hmm. but they came to light and we corrected it. Yeah. So no one could attribute malafide to your decisions if you, you are transparent and technology allows you to do that.
0: Any any examples of projects that you can give from the PMG time oh, that are very many of them, visible but now? One, one
1: in the huh. beginning was a very interesting one. Huh. You know, this problem came up and a very unusual problem. That this aero city which you see now, yeah. you have hotels yes. there. That was not coming up because the security people had raised an objection that all the windows facing the airstrip will have to be closed. They have to be walled. You can't have you a... You can
0: not have a
2: window. Not have a window. Mm.
1: Because it's a security risk. Now it's... Just, how can you have a <laughs> hotel room without a window? You know, all facing this side. And there was a huge fight going on between the Ministry of Civil Aviation and security people. They had walled over their windows facing the... I said, okay, let me find a solution. I mean, there's no yes or no to the problem. Find a solution. So in the first meeting that I held, um, I heard them out. At that point in time, I had no clue. But when the second meeting started, I started with a very interesting statement. You know, I, there were police people, police commissioner, Delhi people were sitting there and civil aviation people. So I made a statement which had no direct relationship with what I was saying. I told them, I, this was in July. And I made the statement, I hear that the Prime Minister this year will be speaking from the ramparts of Redford behind a wall. He said, why? I said, uh, (laughs) I believe it's a security hazard. (laughs) No, no, sir, they have bulletproof glass in front of the Prime Minister. Then I told them, why can't you put bulletproof glass on those windows and let those glasses be glasses? Yes, sir, that's a possibility, (laughs) but the cost will go up. I said, every day delay is costing you crore of rupees. If there is an additional cost of one or two crores in putting up those windows, isn't that a better option? You know, I learned that there are no absolute right and wrong answers. Mm. The job is to find an answer to get things moving. I mean, someone will find it absolutely foolish to put bulletproof glasses there. Yes, it might appear to be foolish, but then you continue to argue. The police will say, no, you can't have it. They will say you can have it. And there's no solution, so you have to find solutions. There are many such interesting yeah. examples, but this was very, one. Very,
0: very, very interesting. In fact, everything that you're sharing here, in terms of learnings, taking the stakeholders along, the power of communicating the value proposition, uh, the satisfaction when drives from impact at scale, the 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 transparency that you bring in, and how that gets things moving, finding a middle path, this is so so relevant and resonates so much with at least. Uh, me, uh, because the kind of work that we do requires exactly these things, so, so very, very powerful. And these are all kind of things that have been game changing in their own right. Before I get to your stint in the state, I know there's a lot of to kind of un, un, unpeel there as well. But before that, you've seen and worked with Prime Minister Modi. You've seen him from inside for around four or years. And now for the last four to five years, you've also seen him from outside. So basis is what you've seen of him. What's your reading of him as a leader? What are his strengths? Ah, I think
1: he is one of the finest leaders that this country has had. Um, I haven't had the occasion to work with too many prime ministers, but I've had the occasion to work with some chief ministers and I've seen some other prime ministers. I think he's probably one of the most decisive leaders that we've had in this country. And once he decides, then he carries it through. That is one. Second, contrary to the general impression, he's a very patient listener. You know, in meetings, he hardly spoke. Otherwise, so eloquent in speeches yes. and all. I give you an example of yes. Arisman Bharat and RSBY, where he heard me out for 15 minutes without interrupting. Very patient listener. And he, you know, he has his feet on the ground. So he understands the pulse of the people. What would be good for people? I mean, we may have disagreements. That's a different matter. That's normal. But he has the pulse of the people. And when he speaks, he speaks so well. So, country is fortunate to have a prime minister like him. So, he, he can, whenever he decides, he can not only take decisions, he can carry them through, he can get people to get them. through.
0: Yeah. That's again a strong endorsement. But again, if I look at, uh, I'm just digressing a little bit, if you look at social media and all, and with the views that you express in general on different matters, you get a lot of fire from from, from all sides. Right? It's uh, alright. All I,
1: I have been, as, as you said in the beginning, I have been outspoken. So when I say a person has these qualities, there are issues also. And I would not be the person to say that there's, have you to come across a perfect individual or institution. Yes. So there are problems. So I appreciate, I criticize. If I don't like a particular thing of an individual, of an institution, I will speak my mind out. Yeah. Now what others say is that they say, I mean they may have prejudice, they may have whatever they have in mind. They have their views, I couldn't care less. I am saying it on, on an assessment based on certain facts. Yeah. I do not speak without facts. So if factually I find some shortcomings in an individual or institution, I will state that for whatever it is worth. I did that when I was on the service. But then I didn't go to public with that. Yes. But internally, I am known to have, I mean, I used to speak my mind out. And they were, my first meeting with Prime Minister Modi was some of disagreement. I remember I had taken, a school support, taken over as school secretary. And I was sitting there, a small group. Presentation was made by power secretary, and in the six slides that he presented, he mentioned that it was because of coal that power had been problem. So the prime minister, my first conversation with him, he turns towards me, Anil ji, you have seen, you This is the first comment. Hmm. So I mean, first time I am conversing with him, and if I present a of opinion, I did that. I told him, sir, I agree to you. is very Comprehensively he immediately nodded his head and turned towards the power and coal secretary, coal minister, hmm. Mr. pujgal and told him, Anil comprehensively. You know, that helped me because I don't know whether rightly, erroneously, or wrongly, Mr. pujgal thought that I am close to the Prime Minister and I had an easy, <laughs> easy way as coal secretary. This was my first meeting. The last meeting was, was with regard to ayushman Bharat, there again I had a difference opinion. And he went on to agree with me. So it's not that I didn't have difference of no. opinion. I have often said that some of us, some of civil servants have not had the courage enough to state facts to him. He's a politician, but I'm a bureaucrat. I should be having the conviction and the courage to state facts before him and then work out a solution. Sometimes I get a feeling that this is not being done, which is very unfortunate because I mean he may agree, he may get angry, that's his problem. But my job as a civil servant is state facts as they are, state my opinions for what they are without any bias, and then let a decision be taken. I should not be depriving the prime minister of my view. Yeah. I felt that way, but that's a personal view. Yeah.
0: No, that's that that makes a lot of sense. We'll come to civil services and so on. That's a area that that you are personally very passionate about. Just it with the Prime Minister, anything that you would want to see him do differently? You said there are strengths, there are kind of... Things you know, that I, used to do.
1: I used to share these thoughts with the PMO. The Prime Minister need not say things which either have not been done or announce things which won't be done. Because so much is happening, so much good is happening that that should be good enough for him to carry through. Why should uh, he be speaking about things which are on occasions incorrect? Examples? I mean, I distinctly remember he announced from the ramparts of the Red Fort that the PMG was set up by the India government. Having been the first chairman of PNG, I said that was factual. I am just giving one example. There are many such examples where it is the job of the officers around him to point out to him that he don't, doesn't have to, you know, It is not even politically required. So why should he be speaking or saying things which are factually incorrect? That needs to be assessed by the office around him and tell him, Sir, this is not required, this is incorrect. What is incorrect is incorrect, as simple as that. Mm. Yeah.
0: Great. Uh, Let's shift gears a little bit and go to your stint in the state, your home state of Uttar Pradesh that was also your cadre in the civil services. Uh, you were there in the chief minister's office or the chief minister's secretariat for a fairly kind of longish time. Who are all the chief ministers that you worked with? I worked with two
1: chief ministers, hmm. Mr. Kalyan Singh and uh, Madam Mayaviti. Two and, chief and I,
0: and I know I've, I've heard you kind of say this in the past that Kalyan Singh was the tallest leader that you have worked with. Uh, uh, and, and I'll just share my own reflection of him because growing up I used to kind of read politics, read about governance and so on. In my view, somewhere Kalyan <laughs> Singh is the original Modi. Right, was was uh, the way I look at it because what Mr. Modi was in the 2000s as the Chief Minister of Gujarat, you can draw parallels to it with what Mr. Kalyan Singh was in the 90s, both for the party as well as for the for the, the public discourse. Because both of them very grassroots politicians, both of them uh, are very have a strong mind of their own. Uh, I see both of them were known to be able administrators who could get things done. Both of them associated very closely with the right wing and have their own share of share of controversies. The only probably difference was that Mr. Modi was running a very uh, stable government with full majority, whereas he was always mired in coalition, uh, governments and so on. So to me, that's the way at least I have the image of uh, Mr. Kalyan Singh. Uh, a lot of the younger folks may not know him as well. But you t- say that he's the tallest leader you worked with. That's a, again a strong endorsement. Why do you say so? What were the, some of the traits? Precisely the of? qualities
1: that you've mentioned. When hmm. I met Mr. Modi for the first time as school Secretary, and I interacted with him, it reminded me of Kalyan Singh during his first stint. Decisive, straightforward, honest, deliverer. He had all those traits. A great administrator. So I, I found that in Mr. Modi as well. Uh, so I found huge amount of similarity between the two of them. Uh, Mr. Kalyan Singh would not compromise on anything which he thought was wrong. This is the, the first stint. I remember when I was, during my initial interactions with him, I was picked up as Director of Information and Public Relations, which is, which is a very important and sensitive position. When I had not even met him, hmm. he just picked me up. Hmm. And I was told when the selection was going on, they were going through the gradation list. And when my name came for consideration, uh, so this is hearsay. So I'm telling you what, what the secretary, I just told the, mm. secretary to the chief police told me about my selection there. He so, said when well, your name came, we told him, sir, he is a very angry man, he will say I had developed that reputation by then. Then he said, Tab so he was aware of my problems and yet he got the problem over. And I remember the in the initial days, I used to go every morning as director information public relations to brief him about the media. Hmm. That was my job. But in those days, television etc. was not their only. Media, me, ka ka chal rahi, was the briefing. So one morning when I visited his place, this was about a month into my new job, I entered his house, and for once I found him a bit flustered. He normally he's a very he was a very cool man. So there was chief secretary and the DGP standing there. He was sitting. And there was a conversation going on. It, I, when I entered, I heard Mr. Kalyan Singh say, itni saath hai, laga di? so I didn't know the context, so I stood there beside the chief secretary. Meri nahin, saath kar sakta. Then I got to know this was about the election meetings that were to take place in by-election in Itawa. So both the chief secretary and the DGP was Haan, sir, aap तो मेरी आदत थी मैंने कहा साहब ये तो आपका राजनीतिक प्रकरण है लेकिन मैं कुछ दिनों पूर्व जिलाधिकारी था डिस्ट्रिक्ट था सर चीफ मिनिस्टर आता है जिले में तो बड़ा सब जोश होता है लोगों में बड़ी एक आशाएं अपेक्षाएं होती हैं तो आप सर कैंसिल ना करके आप जाएं जरूर लेकिन आप के बोले नहीं घूर के देखा साथ कर सकता हूं मैं तो करूंगा तो मैंने आपका है मेरा तो Aap rai hai. Ab now chief secretary was nudging me like this to keep quiet. So After he said, Kalyan Singh what he said, there was a pin drop silence for 15 seconds. And the chief secretary continued to nudge me. bolna. After 15 seconds, Kalyan Singh says, Anil ji, है So the same chief secretary stopped nudging immediately. सर, you know, I had forgotten this incident. Mr. Kalyan Singh, when he became chief minister again, it was then he narrated to me that I was shocked. This man was perceptive. And then he explained to me: I was not I was shocked. This man was perceptive. And then he explained to me, was a Anil ji, Nindag a man who Kudi. was so he was a,
0: he was a tall man. Got it. Got it. He, it's a controversial topic in the Indian history. But, but you were at the time working very closely. I think we were in the same role, in the same post. Uh, yes, I was in on, on
1: that. So what's the, what's on the insider? On that particular day, December. 6th of December, ah. I was the only person with him in the morning. Usually it was a Sunday, I think. I went to his residence to brief him. He looked a bit flustered, upset, and contrary to the general impression, Kalyan uh, Singh he never wanted demolition of Vagnaj because he, he was working towards other solutions. And that other solution, solution is precisely what the Supreme Court finally decided. He was negotiating with the minority community leaders and telling them, I And some segments were coming around, so he was he was discussing that. So I distinctly remember the conversations that he had on telephone with Mr. Adwani on the other side. I couldn't hear what Mr. Adwani was saying, but Mr. Kalyan Singh was very upset. Then he had a conversation with Mr. Bahir Singh Chikavar, hmm. who was then the Chief Minister of Rajasthan. गया गया। and then what he did me was classic. After talking he said, दे। And what he wrote on the paper was, of दे। course, later on it was typed into the, hmm. the, the, I don't know what language to use, hmm. but So here was a a politician who was prepared to take the entire responsibility of what happened. And I was juxtaposing him with a person who I otherwise admired, Dr. Manmohan Singh. That in all issues, he signed the file and he said, I was misled. How can you do
0: that? I really see that you really enjoyed your stint with Mr. Kalyan Singh. What's the most memorable incident that you remember from your interactions with him over the years? (laughs)
1: <laughs> this incident was when I was no more with him, so to say. Okay. I had been picked up as Export Commissioner, Government of India. Uh, and I had joined and I had, I had gone back to Lucknow just to say bye, goodbye to everyone, including Mr. Kalyan Singh. So I went to meet him to say a final goodbye. So on that particular day, he wanted. He said that, Anil ji, mere so I was a bit, you know, I don't know how to react. I'm going ja state plane, you to with okay i don't know what was that <laughs> salah so i sat with him on the estate plane and while traveling from delhi to, from lucknow to delhi he explained to me that he wanted to get rid of mayawati you know in those days his government was being run with the support of mayawati there was this arrangement, arrangement half 6 6 two year, and a half 6 months month, month. month. month, so six, this yeah. was his turn now oh mai kal atel ji se milne ja raha बिंदु बनाइए मैं उनके लिए पॉइंट्स बनाता था स्पीच के लिए बोलते तो अपने आप थे बिंदु बना दो कुछ बिंदु बनाइए कि हमने प्रदेश में क्या-क्या किया है और आगे क्या प्लान है उससे मैं फिर चर्चा कर ठीक है दिल्ली पहुंचे तो स्टेट गेस्ट में हाँ पहुंच गए तो वो अपने उसमें चले मैं अपने कमरे में चला गया मैं रात भर वो पांच पर्चियां ले जाकर मैं चला गया नीचे वो जल्दी उठते थे मैं दरवाजा खटखटाया वही आए उनको मैंने पांच पर्चियां दी मैं आगे सो गया 10 बजे किसी ने मेरा दरवाजा कि मुख्यमंत्री जी याद कर रहे हैं तो मैं चला गया पास वो बड़े अनिल लूट तुमने पर्चियां दी थी बड़ा काम आ गया मैं अटल जी को समझाया मैं मायवती से पीछा छुड़ाने का तो आई वाज आल्सो वेरी हैप्पी फॉर आई सर बहुत अच्छा है और मुझे पूरा विश्वास है सर कि आप देश ये प्रदेश की प्रगति होगी आपकी नेतृत्व में बोले हां अनिल मैं तुम्हें मैं पूरा जोर लगा दूंगा प्रदेश को ठीक करने में तो मैंने अब तो मैं आपके साथ नहीं I साहब मैं आपसे बड़ा प्रभावित हूं और इसलिए कह रहा हूं अब कि अब आप मेरा आपसे कोई इस प्रकार का नाता नहीं है मैं दिल्ली में हूं और आपको दिमाग में रखते हुए मैंने ये पंक्तियां लिखी है मैंने कागज में आपको समर्पित करूं मैंने ये पंक्तियां उनको पढ़ सुनाई समय रुका नहीं हम क्यों shresht vahiy Nahiho, ghera nahi ho nirashani jago jagao manmat behlao ek masiha tubbhi ban jau minne jayse hi ya panthayamani kalyan sing papak phapak ke rogne i couldn't imagine tears rolling and then he said anil may Maki Kasan ki Mepura khata hoon pradesh ko this was my last conversation with him Thereafter, I don't think I ever met him. But, you know, here was a gentleman who could do phenomenal things. He had it in him. But but then life is what it is. Things keep changing over a period of time. But here was a man who had enormous potential to do what he Mm.
0: could Very, very fascinating and very powerful. Uh, You also talked that you worked with Mayavati. Very, very different, uh, uh, at least the public, this thing. Very different person, very different character. How was that like in contrast to this?
1: (laughs) It was chalk and cheese. (laughs) It was very tough. I think those few months with Mayavati were perhaps the worst of my career.
0: You were in the CM office? I was in the
1: CM office and I was watching what was happening.
0: What was happening? And it
1: was, it was terrible. It was terrible. And I was so devastated that I wanted to quit. I wanted to go and leave not work there. I, I remember I pushed my boss, Sab of them are going to go to the Then I asked him for two or three he great officer. He said, you are going to go to school, 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 school. If you go to school, we will go to school, we will go to And he was right actually in number of cases, we used to get together the secretariat and get her to do the right things. And that is when I started discovering that no matter how good or bad the politician is civil servants around that politician make a world of a difference. They can actually influence decisions. We did. I'll give an example. It's a totally different example. There was an IS officer who was a district magistrate of a district. A very fine officer. He got angry and suspended him. was suspended. suspension He was suspended. Now he is crying to me, sir. I did not made any mistake, and I knew he did not made any mistake. He got suspended. How do we reinstate him? Because you know it impacts the morale moral of the civil entire service, not just one person. So we started this. We did that. We gave an example. Look, that day. We hmm. क्या स्ट्रेटजी किया कि वो मायावती जो थी जब सुबह ब्रेकफास्ट करती थी hmm. उस समय सबसे अच्छे मूड में होती थी दिन कैसे मूड चेंज होता ब्रेकफास्ट टाइम पे फॉर व्हाट रीजन आई तो हम लोग को जो भी ठीक काम कराना हो तो सुबह कराते थे तो हम चार पांच लोग पहुंच गए कहां पर और बड़े अच्छे में थी तुमने मैडम a एक अधिकारी है उसको गलती अधिकारी बोलते अच्छा अधिकारी है अच्छा अधिकारी है? है हो जाती है ठीक okay? so narrated this incident to me बोले देखो वो सस्पेंड रह जाता नहीं तुम नहीं होते हम नहीं होते तो इन्होंने you know, मुझे समझाया यू नो आई वाज न्यू इन द सर्विस कुछ साल की and that stayed with me because then that gave me a lot of peace. Hmm. So I was looking at the fact this thing, I was looking at the blacks and whites. Mein dekh rahe he was telling me that ka so, if minimize you can do good work So you minimize like damage You can minimize. I mean, we did. There are many instances where we did. You know, I was, I used to be in, I, in one of the instance, a district magistrate I was, I was a day officer there, I was sitting there, a district master, one year junior to me. I knew him very well. He came and he was carrying a briefcase with him. So at that time, you didn't understand that when he came back from inside, he didn't have a briefcase. So I said, you should leave the briefcase. He said, no, 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 he had a file. I said, when did he come the <laughs> to the DM? He said, no, 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 no. The way he smiled and the way I knew what had happened. So, you know, there were many such instances which really upset me what's this yeah. going on yeah. so I told that you. man yeah. young man I told him it's not a single case of what you've done you convey to the politician that this is something which can be done and then she will expect from others so that is something which is which was very unusual yeah. I mean, I used to feel terrible in that
0: and and you're not one to i know you're not one to give up easily or to say that you'll kind of get into us but you're saying that you're really considering long leave to kind of get outside of that situation very rarely did i
1: think on those lines but that was the time when i felt terrible there were two occasions one this occasion and another was when my one my ministers wanted me to suspend a deputy director that was another occasion where an honest efficient officer and you're asking me to suspend him give you Milan answer i mean they have been i mean in a service career 38 years you will come across occasions where yes. you feel down and out you know people usually think that i was always a beat which i wasn't you know i was when, when this minister asked me to suspend this officer i was so distraught you know but the real kavi came out during that time you know i i distinctly remember i wrote these lines sunshine man may teri srishti tujhme man mein, teri srishti tujhme tu he too mere man samaya sab kuch maine tujh se he paya phir bhi stabd hoon vyakul hoon ashant durachari hai kyu jeet raha nirantar hai spasht karo abhivyakth karo kuch to karo mere ram vedna Ramki Juli jholi puri so you know there have been occasions where i have also
0: so on all of these occasions, what's been the constant anchor in your life? What is something that you hold on to in these times of held on to? Uh, anchor these no was times Sameh ruka nahi,
1: hum kyu gaye. That was the anchor. This is something which sustained me that there would be problems, but you can't lose your footing. And then times change. You can't have everything to your liking always. There would be times when things will not be to your liking. That is when your real character is brought out. Yes. When things are going good, your character is not yeah. brought it's to not tested. It is when things are not going your way. That is when your character is really tested.
2: And
0: did you use poetry as a way to kind of uh, express yourself? Poetry and music. That music. No, I,
1: I sustain me a lot. I used to jokingly tell people. You sing, you play. What? Yes, uh, I used to jokingly tell everyone. Instead of facing someone else's music, I composed my own. <laughs> Literally and otherwise. <laughs> so I started composing music actually. Okay. Okay. So, I loved it because that gave me peace of mind. You know, when I sit with my guitar, I am… People ask me whether you meditate. I don't really meditate, I must say, in the traditional sense, no. But I meditate in my work, I meditate in my music. Because when I am sitting with my guitar, and if it's tuned properly, I am totally absorbed in what I am doing. Totally absorbed.
0: My band, I to you the guitar a song with you.
1: Uh, I love music. I
0: love music. One thing in civil services is that कि किसी भी officer reputation जो पहले सार सार है पहले पांच सात साल में typically. Of course you have to protect that, you have to build on that reputation. But एक reputation when you are in the districts, आप SDM mm-hmm. होते हैं, sub-district magistrate, DM होते हैं, district magistrate. उस समय आपके conduct के आपसे व्यवहार से भीवसी, किस तरह officer है? and उसी के हिसाब से फिर आपको <laughs> uh, wo political leadership I with don't ki. Aapke years mein, uh, I, I don't know. I
1: don't know when that reputation got built. But I distinctly remember that I used to have these dilemmas in the beginning, whether I should do this or that. After 10 years, I didn't have dilemmas in my mind. I had that clarity of thought, this is right, this I'll do, I'll pay a price. And you paid so the price? I paid. And... On a number of occasions, I paid a price. On a number of occasions, I was awarded. It was, it was very unusual. You know, when I was young, uh, a kid, I used to feel very frustrated because till class seven, I did not win a single award. No certificate, no medal, no trophy, no cup, nothing. So my mother used to tell me, Tumara time aayega. ho? And then she used to say this, Phrase which I didn't understand at that point in time. Karman I It dawned on me much later in life. I remember I was posted as SDM Hardwai. Hmm. Earlier part of my career. And Mrs. Indra Gandhi had been assassinated 1984. All hell broke loose. You know, members of ruling party were indulging in arson and looting. And at the receiving end were a minority community. So as subdivision magistrate was my job, I used to go around the city and keep everything in order. When I got this intelligence that a very powerful local MLA, very, very powerful was behind these arsan. So the dilemma was whether I should take action against him. That was a huge dilemma in the beginning. Finally, I decided that I will. And I made out an NSA case, National Security Act case. And sent it to the district magistrate because he's the deciding authority. This got to be known to this MLA. He spoke to someone in Lucknow, and I was summoned to Lucknow. A senior officer asked me, what did you do? So I explained to him that I this. He said, yes, it's but take file back. I said, file, to take a decision. No, the back. I said, I to to do it So I said, to transfer ho gaya. So I was shocked. I said, "What? I did the right transfer ho gaya. So, you know, I was paying yes. a price. Seven years down the line, I myself became a district magistrate in La And here, a similar sort of situation arose. The district president of the ruling party hmm. wanted to take out a funeral procession as a consequence of a murder. Hmm. So I told him, this is your government. communal rights environment. No, option, no, we it, no option. Put him behind the bars. In the evening, the chief minister rang me कि लिया साहब आपने क्या किया मैंने कहा साब मैंने इस वजह से बंद किया बोले नहीं, नहीं उसको तो छोड़ना मैंने कहा छोड़ना उचित नहीं होगा तो बोले कोई तरीका बताइए मैंने कहा या तो आप बात कोई बात कर तो राइट हो जाएगा appeared very unhappy put the phone down i told my wife मेरे पास कि तो तैयार हो now, this is not the end of the story. Two months or three months down the line, the same chief minister who was so annoyed with me, awarded me as one of the finest district magistrates of the state. So I tell people, he was the one, 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 or he was the one, one of the finest district magistrates awarded me. Let's do it. You know, gradually in life, I started understanding that I'm taking a lot of fun with what I'm doing. I don't know what the result <laughs> is coming. I realized Then I realized Karman Nevadikar. You don't know Pelil to other. Kalm Mastro. And I enjoyed my life much more thereafter. And second thing, what happened, I remember that after the initial 10, 12, or 13 years, I can't keep account, I don't recall any politician or anybody asking me for a favor which was incorrect. That's the I mean, It is amazing. I look back, except one incident, much later in my life. I can't think of anybody coming to me. लोग at that Nita is not coming to me. I So what you say is that your reputation is in initial years. Then you not posting there. you not posting fair. Hmm, hmm, like. Hmm. like, I keep telling my colleagues, saal ki hume, I never went to any politician for any favor.
2: Hmm.
1: At least no personal favour. Officially, I had met I a bill of that's a different matter. But no personal favor. Why should I go to any politician? And when I post, I will tell you that I am a person, I will tell you that I am a person. I will tell you that I am a person. I will tell you that you that You create a niche for yourself, create a situation where you can do it, and that's much more enjoyable. You can do it, already, can do it, but you can do it. That's a greater challenge, it's a greater sense of satisfaction that you can do it.
0: And that also gets me to post-retirement. And this again, uh, thoda sa main digress kar conversation district kar. Rahe. But someone like you, one would expect ki aap retirement, ke baad bhi the government will kind of leverage your services to, to kind of get some things done. That has not happened. You are doing a lot of things, you are writing books, I'll talk about them also. I have the books actually. Uh, to unki main but there's no post-retirement government this thing that, that you have. What's the reason for it? Is it also this nature of yours?
1: Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But I found it below my dignity mm. to apply for a government job and all government jobs are available on application.
2: Is it? You have to apply.
1: And then you yes. have to pursue. That's the second step. No, that pursue. is even worse. <laughs> it's, I'm not averse to people taking a post retirement assignment. And even I have been called by Central and the other governments to head committees to do some work which I've been doing. But I hate to apply for a job. Second, which I did not realize immediately after retirement, I love my freedom now. I really love my freedom. I don't know whether now if an offer comes from the government again for a long term assignment or permanent will assignment. Will you even take it up, Whether I'll no. take it or not. I can't say for sure, hmm. but I will have to debate quite a lot because I'm loving my yeah. present existence. You know, while in service, I loved every moment. But I never thought that post retirement would be as good as it has turned out to be. So God has been kind. Uh, I have loved post retirement existence. Yeah. I love this freedom. I loved interacting with people around. I go around the country talking to me. almost every week. I go to some place and interact with them. I love it. Yeah. You,
0: you also use your time well. You have your books also <laughs> so,
1: I you know there is... I, I did not have too many ambitions in life, you know. One such ambition was to right. write a book because I used to read a lot. And I thought I must have one book at least in my name. So I started working on my first book, not just a Civil Servant, yes. in Service. It got published after that. Mm. I thought that would be over. But then I loved writing so much. Then I came up with the second one, Ethical Dilemma of a Civil yes. Servant. Yes. And the third one was as a consequence of what I went through in 2020. I had some health issues. I became immobile. I was confined. So I utilize that time to write my third book, No More yes. a Civil Servant. No,
0: these are, uh, I would say these are almost like uh, uh, the thesis or the or the Bible or the Gita for civil servants. That's the way I look at it, because it's not just a civil servant, <laughs> you talk about your journey as a civil yeah. servant. In the Ethical dilemmas. you really get deep into those things that a civil servant, the dilemmas one goes through and how to think about it. Maybe that's coming from the initial years that you spent what you were just sharing. And of course, No More a Civil Servant is post what you've done after. Uh, retirement, but these are kind of uh, I've read some of it is very, very good books, highly, highly recommended. Uh, just just I want to also talk about uh, your views on civil services and civil servants, because that's one topic that you speak a lot about. You mentor a lot of young civil servants. You also mentor people who are aspiring to be in civil services. But there's some views that I've heard from you at different points in time, I want you to elaborate on that. One is you say that it pays to be honest in the civil service It's not just a moral and ethically the right thing to do. It also is a it pays to be honest. Just elaborate on that.
1: It's Uh, it's very simple. Uh, We were discussing about the reputation of an officer. Your life becomes that much easier if you're honest. Why? Because first, those dishonest people will not come to you. You will be able to do what you want to do. And second, on a more practical front, you could probably afford to be dishonest till the 90s. Today, you can't. The world has opened up. The social media has opened up. Your truth will be revealed. Hmm. So if you think that you can get away with dishonest practices, very difficult. Hmm. You will get to be known. Earlier, hmm. you know, I have come across officers who were very abrasive about their own hmm. dishonesty. Hmm. Hmm. They thought they would never get caught. You know, in, I come from state of UP where two chief secretaries were put behind the bus. So today it is practical to be honest because more than anything else you'll be caught. Hmm. First of course, if you are honest, then there will be a lot of reverence for you. There is a lot of regard for you. And I keep telling everyone that your true worth will be determined after you retire, not before. But the respect that you get post retirement is incredible because that's the true risk respect. So it pays to be honest.
0: You uh, say which I completely believe in is it's important to deliver and not just be honest because you can be honest, but your job is not to be honest. That's the basic expectation. The job is to really get things done for the people. Uh, again, a little bit on you from that. You know, because...
1: I, I have always believed that honesty is a necessary condition for a good civil servant, but honesty alone is not enough.
2: Hmm. He has to be
1: efficient. He's paid to to deliver. The tragedy of some of the honest officers are is that they think that the rest of the world is dishonest. Hmm. That is the biggest tragedy. Hmm. And that inhibits quick and effective delivery. Hmm. So they, they find they smell a rat everywhere. They themselves don't take decisions. They don't allow others to take a decision. They think decision making will make them dishonest, which is a shocker. I don't think that is the right way of going about it. Honesty has to be there. I mean, aap kisi Honest Exactly. Yes. Honest to aapko huna But you are paid to deliver. Hmm. You are not paid to be honest. Hmm. Honesty is a prime requirement. The primary requirement is honesty. But your salary that you get is to deliver on the ground. The common man on the ground expects action. So that is why I say that honesty alone is not enough. People, some of them, misinterpreted. No, no, honesty is everything. I said fair enough. You can have a different opinion on that. But for a civil servant, he has also to deliver. Yes, that's just also his primary response. Oh,
0: can't agree more. Uh, One topic is <coughs> civil services: mein, generalist versus experts. Uh, ek, ek lo, ek set of people, manna hai ki, you need expertise to be able to deliver, especially when it comes to the government of India level, senior levels to do policy, to kind of uh, uh, design schemes and so on. There's another segment which believes uh, uh, that that's not the main requirement, you can uh, leverage expertise of others, you need to be a good leader, you need to be, uh, uh, you need to be a, uh, uh, you need to kind of get work done from others, right, etc, and therefore expertise is not that critical, Uh, uh, being a generalist, being a good manager, being a good leader is what is more important. I know you also fall in this second category. Again, can you explain why? Because that's a debate, that's an ongoing debate. This is also very simple
1: Hmm. and simple because you can outsource expertise, but you can't outsource attitude. So if you don't have an attitude of a leader, no matter how good an expert you are, you will fail in leadership positions, especially in the IS where you acquire leadership positions right from the beginning hmm. when you are a subdivision master in a subdivision hmm. you are a leader of that subdivision hmm. so what sort of expertise i'm looking at to my mind at least i mean i have a different opinion with a number of people what is required is your ability to manage men and women and then some attributes of leader you have to have a wish you have to have be visionary you have to have courage you have to have appreciation, you should be able to appreciate, manage that team, you know, give credit to others and take take the flag for the loss. You have to trust people, you have to delegate, you have to empower. Now, these are the attributes which you have to cultivate over a period of time and understand the importance thereof. If you want expertise, I can tell you from my personal experience, I had no experience whatsoever in coal, which is a very, very technical subject. Hmm. I thought i did reasonably well because i did manage to get you know a good leader will be able to outsource expertise now when we talk of expertise what expertise am i talking of? say if, take for example finance secretary government of india should be he be expert in banking insurance budgeting what expertise you, are we talking you about? cannot be <laughs> you cannot and you should not you know then you start fighting with an expert the roles have to be defined clearly You should create an environment where expertise can flourish. I am not saying that an expert cannot be a leader. What I am trying to say is this debate is useless. You know, you look at private sector, where people who reach the top are not expert in a particular area. They are expert as managing men and women. I mean, how much does this engineering expertise does Ratan Tata use? None. So it is not a question of becoming expert in an area. It is a question of your ability to manage women women. and I am very clear in my mind by bringing this debate of expertise, we are trying to make IS officers experts and not failing in their duty. So if I were to do things first in the selection process itself, Hmm. I would get potential leaders. There are tools available where you can get them. You have to test the attitude. I mean, they may fail in 20% cases, but at least 80% would be leaders, potential leaders. Then in training, you don't have to train to make them experts. You have to demonstrate, illustrate to them that this sort of an attitude works. How to cultivate those traits, that has to be told. While nurturing these officers, while nurturing them, don't tell them how artificial intelligence has to be used. And don't make them experts in C++. They don't have to be. They have to understand how to get that C++ guy, how to get that AI guy, how to give him space, how to give him protection, how to give them the, the credit and they will perform for you. I mean, as, as I keep saying, I did that as coal secretary. I didn't know how coal has to be dug. I didn't need to know the difference between one quality of coal and another quality hmm. of coal.
0: It was not needed. It's the same in every sphere. Even the startup world, wow. any founder that you look at today is not an expert in the area that they are kind of working in or the problem that no, they are trying to solve.
1: There, there I would say something, you know, when you start your career, you have to learn so many things. Yeah, yeah. So at that point in time, you have to go into the details of everything. But as you go up the ladder, there are more and more your leadership skills. Your expertise may be required in a particular segment that you're working to begin with. But as you go up the ladder, I think attitude matters much yeah. much more than expertise
0: yeah. and it's not just about selection and training it's also after that yes. the mentoring process nurturing, that's the yeah. thing nurturing that's uh, some would some would argue and I also sometimes feel not enough happening in happening no not yeah, enough yeah,
1: yeah it's not happening you know unfortunately I have come to this conclusion that at least the is does not have an ethos of its own every individual on his own And that is where I compliment Mr. Modi for getting the secretaries together. He's trying to break those, you know, silos that are there. Hmm. And I was part of some of this exercise. Phenomenal. Interacting with others. The whole idea of getting the IS was that you should pick up the phone, talk to your colleague there and get things moving. Now, if I build my own walls, then what is the purpose of having the IS? The IS was that you are colleagues. So what I'm, I'm, I may be wrong, but my view is, that at a personal level, our connect is very good with IS. Hmm. But when it comes to professional connect, I think we have our own empires. And that's where the problem is. And that's what the Prime Minister was trying to do. Get break these the people silos. together, Break the silos. That's the advantage of the IS. There again, expertise doesn't help. Your attitude. Your attitude to get people along, to work along with people, to work as a team. What has that to do with expertise in the traditional sense? Yeah yeah
0: and that's happening continues to happen even now there's chintan and Shiva, different topics different yes, people coming yes, together yes, brainstorming yes, happening yes, almost yes. like it happens in the private sector yes, so very yes, similar things are yes, happening together.
2: yes yes
0: all right now i'll come to a topic which is very close to my heart which is the young talent in the country uh, people students who are people who are still studying students young professionals uh, working in any sphere uh, are the best minds in the country basically if you look at them uh, they can broadly there was a time when the best minds would go to IS 30 years back at the time that you joined services at that time. Today, they have a lot of options, uh, options in the corporate world, in the startup world, et cetera, et cetera, a lot of options that people have today. And therefore, it's gotten spread out broadly. If I see I, I see two segments of people, people who are working in the impact space could be through the civil services, could be from outside of the services, organizations such as ours, and and many others. That's one segment. And there's people who are working in the corporate world, in the startup world. It's not that no impact is getting created there. They also impact is created, but it's more direct, it's indirect. It's not intentionally being done, right? It's happening as a byproduct. But this segment is much, much larger than this one. Uh, uh there many reasons, uh, that, that people sometimes young talent may feel why not to engage with the government, why not to work with the government. And let me touch upon a couple of them. One is this general sense that all the ills that we are facing as a country is, is, on account of the system. Right? Anything that you have to say on that, uh, that's a general mindset, not on the inter- everyone, but a segment that believes that.
1: You know, the best way of absolving yourself of the wrongs around you is to blame somebody else for it. Now, this is not a Galev share, attributed to Galev, but has a lot of meaning. That's very easy. It made me comfortable that it wasn't my fault, it was a system like that. Hmm. And I have found very senior officers also saying system. it was a system like that. The system is left in English. Now you are going to create a system. So my answer to that is, identify that area where you can
2: hmm.
1: and start with that. For example, when I speak to my colleagues, I ask them that you call Neta for everything. Tell me, who has told you to go to office? Why? ने ने you can go on and on and you'll find that a large number of area where politics, politician or the system is not involved. It's totally yes. dependent on you. Yes. So why don't you do what you can? And then I say that if you concentrate on what you can, that can will grow. Sphere of influence. Sphere of influence. But instead of focusing on what you can, you focus on what you can't and spend those 24 hours in mulling over, debating over, areas over which you have absolutely no control. What is the big deal in spending time over issues over which you have no control? That's the biggest tragedy of our existence.
0: Yes, that's what I wanted to I completely believe in that and and good that you are saying that so eloquently. The second thing that comes in mind often, again, talk to people who are not coming in this space is, Yaan, move idea hai, but idea doesn't get practified. and i know you have a very 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 solid framing of that i want you to share that and explain that also right when does something gets to uh, uh, action
1: you know like I, uh, in india the problem is there's no dearth of ideas hmm. i call them Raya sahab you know they have advisors <laughs> advice but wo kaise hoga kisi pata it's not easy to get things done in a democracy Because any idea to fructify and sustain over a period of time, it has to be politically acceptable, socially desirable, technologically feasible, financially viable, administratively doable, judicially tenable, and emotionally relatable. So these are the seven roadblocks in making an idea happen. The idea of telling this is not to prevent anybody from delivering that idea for making it happen, but to keep that in mind while going ahead with, implementing a particular idea. So for example, political acceptability, a bigger decision cannot be taken in a democracy until politicians buy into that idea. So the job of the person who's presenting to a decision maker is to package that idea in a manner that it becomes acceptable. Because until that happens, it won't sustain, it may happen short run, it won't scale. So if it has to scale and sustain, it has to be politically acceptable. Socially desirable, again, you have to keep in mind your client, hmm. the ultimate Citizen. consumer. I gave an example of RSB. Why RSB has succeeded? Because though initially people do not appreciate the social desirability of it, we managed to convince them it is useful to them. So it is not necessary for an idea to be upfront socially desirable. Through your communication skills, you can make it desirable. Soch Bharat is a classic example where people may not have appreciated to begin with, but through communication and other publicity, they managed to convince people that it is socially desirable and it happened. Hmm. Then it has to be technologically feasible. Until, unless the appropriate technology exists, you can't make an idea happen. This is not to say that you can't get that technology. Understand the requirement and the necessity and the appropriateness of a technology and then go ahead with it. Fourth, perhaps the most important is financial viability. I Until this, you have the desired amount, how can you get an idea uh, happen? Hmm. It can happen. Now, if the idea is strong and you build the right base, then the money keeps coming. I mean, I I tell people in the first two years hmm. of RSBY, I found it very difficult to get money. Hmm. From third year onwards, the joint secretary budget, one day before the budget, used to ask me, as I, as I say, दा दा so you make that idea so bright and brilliant, that people ask you, so It's not that it can't happen, but you have to have that in mind. Then of course, I talk in terms of administrative doability. doability. Now, this is very important. Why? Because it relates to human resource no matter how much money you have. But if you don't have the appropriate human resource sitting there, this I discovered in education, health. Until you have the people sitting there, it won't happen. So you have to make an arrangement for that. Then judicial tenability. I mean, I won't speak much about it. It's a very touchy matter. I faced 36 contents in the beginning of my career and I still feel this is one part which I couldn't sort out. So I won't elaborate it. But what I tell my colleagues is, Whenever you do something, look at whether it is unconstitutional, illegal. that Because if it is unnecessary, then you will not do the work. Finally, emotionally relatable. This dimension was added later when the farms legislation came in. And this came in because if you are unable to convince the clientele that what you are saying is useful to them, then no matter all things are being there, it won't happen. And farms will, to my mind, was very useful to the farmers, mm, mm. but probably we did not, were not able to convey it to the yeah, farmers. Yeah, so this is emotional yeah. relatability.
0: Very powerful, very powerful. Uh, in fact, since I have you and I get back to these young professionals working in different uh, spheres in life, what would be your pitch to them? to devote their life towards the impact space, be it inside the services or outside. If you were to kind of make a pitch to that young talent out there, what would that be like? No, I would
1: would ask them, you have to determine yourself what you want in life. That is the first question everyone has to answer. What do you want to do in life? You want to make money, more money, more money. Or you want money to live a comfortable life and get something else. That else, he has to define and see what else. Because during the course of conversation with you, I talked about that kick. The question is, everyone has to discover his own kick. What gives you a kick? More money? Or the numbers in your bank account, which you never use, but every morning you get up and see, oh, it's now 1,000 crore. Oh, it's become 1,500 crore. So that gives you a kick? Fair enough. You have to decide for yourself what gives you a kick. I discovered in my life that my kick was doing good to others. That gave me enormous amount of kick. And that enjoyment, that sense of satisfaction kept growing. So much so that post-retirement, I continue to do that. Because that gives me a kick. Now, I can't tell others that you should do this. So you have to experience that kick in order to believe in what I am saying. That this gives you enormous, enormous amount of sense of satisfaction. Which no amount of bank account can do it. Now, I don't want to say that you should lead a penurious life or... Live like a, you know, a beggar or something. No, make money, but decide for yourself how much. Because if you don't limit that, then you won't have the other sense of satisfaction. So that is one. Then (coughs) in order to do that, what are the avenues available for you to derive satisfaction about what you're doing? Obviously, I rate the IS at the top of the shack and if you can make it to it, nothing like it, it provides you enormous potential. But what are the other avenues? Other avenues could be for making money, you can go to the private sector for making money. You can come to the government sector, a lot of opportunities to make money. Then you decide what do you want in life? If you want to impact people and that I'm coming to this point because the amount of satisfaction that you can derive out of impacting the lives of people who many of whom are helpless is absolutely amazing. So if you want to do that, then there are other avenues available where you don't live. You don't lead a difficult life. You have a reasonable amount of money to live comfortably. But you can do a lot of good to others. I, I say that because many of us do many things to impress others. Mm. And uh, at a digression, I, I would like to narrate an incident. You know, I have often wondered, I had often wondered, why people buy Mercedes car? Because in Delhi I have yet to come across anybody who owns a Mercedes car driving himself. It is driven by the driver. So all the pleasure of driving is with the driver. And the rear seat of Mercedes is fairly uncomfortable. I have sat in a number of them. So that is the problem. Now much of my money goes in impressing others with what I have, but I may not necessarily need. So I am not accumulating money for my needs, I am accumulating money for my greed. and this is not ethics or honesty. it's very practical. Hmm. आप उस में क्यों जा रहे में? और जो व्यक्ति को आप करना चाहते हैं, he may be impressed, but he doesn't like you. he's not very happy at being impressed with you. so why are you trying to impress him? impress yourself. So जो आपकी ज़रूरत like a friend of mine who is an industrialist. His son has a Ferrari, I was not aware. No one knows. Sunday no one knows that he has a Ferrari. I am happy because he's happy with this Ferrari. He's not using the Ferrari to road show. You do it for yourself. So now each one will have to discover what do you want for yourself. And that conversation they should have with somebody. There, I think now. Enormous avenues exist to contribute to the society and derive enormous sense of satisfaction Such opportunities are available which perhaps at my time were not available at that point in time You don't have to necessarily become a job. Yes, you can actually lead a good life Yet derive satisfaction out of you know, I am I mean, I I see a lot of evidence of this happening many people are leaving their jobs in the US Coming back and attempting to derive that sense of satisfaction here in India,
0: and we at Samagra are trying to provide exactly that avenue where you don't have to kind of let go of all of those things in life. You can have a very, very decent, well-paying kind of a risk. at the same time get that kick that you are talking about. If you get that kick from impact, if you get that kick satisfaction from uh, uh, doing good to others, so that's exactly the the thesis uh, basically at Samagra as well. So fully resonate with what you're saying. A fascinating, fascinating uh, conversation, Mr. Sarup. This can continue endlessly. Uh, so you have so much of in these 38 years of yours. You gathered so much of rich experience, so many anecdotes, so many stories, so much of wisdom. I would say uh, uh, it's extremely valuable. i just request you to end with with some poem that comes to your mind. Uh, either you have written it or you've kind of uh, uh, some, You also have something on on civil servants. I remember. Uh, uh, but but it's up to you. You, you can share no, the,
1: right? the lines that continue to inspire me hmm. are from a film. Um, and to me that's the finest song and finest words. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much you. sir.